to uh, see you all and good to be here with you guys again. And uh, gosh, it's just such a blessing every time I get to be here. And uh, I'm excited for where we're going today. And I don't know if you know this, it's NFL uh, kickoff Sunday today. And so uh, some of you are here hoping to get a little extra blessing for your team. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how God fully works with that, but um, I know two things are for sure on kickoff Sunday. Uh, Tom Brady cannot die. He is, I don't know, he's, he's an enigma, and the Cardinals will disappoint us. And so, you know, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. No, in all, in all seriousness, uh, you know, thanks for, for joining us this morning, and I think it's, it's going to be a good time as we get into uh, God's Word. And last week, uh, Jim set up that we're in a series all about truth, and that truth has an edge. And last week, we kind of opened the door on this topic, and we talked about uh, the idea of general revelation, things that everyone can understand to be true. And then Jim talked about special revelation, which is given specifically to Jesus followers. I thought Jim did an excellent job setting up this idea that it's no secret, you and I, we live in a cultural moment in 2021 where truth is uh, no longer the same across the board, right? Everyone has their own truth or my truth, and as long as your truth doesn't interfere with my truth, then we can be friends, I guess, you know? We won't argue online, and this is the, the world that we live in. And so what we're left to do is as we step into a space where we want to look at who God is, who God's, what God's word says, and to be faithful to that, we want to ask, what does it look like to be followers of truth in the moment that we find ourselves in? And so that's where we're going uh, today, and I'm looking forward to it. Here's our main idea today. A healthy Christian life is consistently shaped by truth. A healthy Christian life is consistently shaped by truth. This is what we're going to be looking at. If you're in this room today, it's probably for one of a couple of reasons. Number one, you're trying to figure out what you believe, and I'm sure glad that you're here today. You're on the process to figuring out what being a Christian looks like, and we're glad you're here. Or maybe you're here because you are a Jesus follower, right? And if so, then we want our lives to be healthy, right? And a truth that we're going to explore for the next few minutes is that a healthy Christian life is consistently shaped by truth. And when we say truth, here's what we're talking about so that we're on the same page. We're not talking about an NFL prediction, right? Like, it's true, my team's the best and yours is not. <laughs> that, that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're not debating what the best movie is this year and whatever I thought was true is true. When we talk about this idea of a healthy life shaped by truth, we're talking about big picture truth, the truths of the universe, the truths of who God is. We're talking about an idea that's not very popular, and if I could be totally honest with you as a pastor, it's not my favorite thing to get up in front of a group of people and say, there's a right way and a wrong way to live. That's not a very fun thing to do. You, you know, you kind of brace for a conversation afterwards where it's like, what do you know, buddy? It's like, I don't, I'm just reading the book, you know, like. When we're talking about truth, though, we're talking about the fact that we believe there's a God who set the world into motion, who's active and who's engaged 
and who set out a right way for human beings to operate and to flourish and a wrong way. And so when we're looking at truth, that's the truth we're looking at. We're not looking at the little simple, trivial facts around us. We're looking at big picture truth. And I think most of us, if we were in this room and we were, you know, talking maybe in the lobby beforehand or just chatting, most of us would say we're big fans of the truth. We're like, hey, do you, do you like the truth? Most of us would be like, yeah, definitely. I'm all about the truth. You know, yeah, I want to tell me the truth. And we say we like it, but do we really? <laughs> right? There's that old adage, you know, if, if someone asks you how their outfit looks, and by the way, like, I think ladies have unfortunately got a bad rap with this because guys actually think most of the time we're way more sensitive, okay, about how we're looking on that day. Like, are my new balances looking fresh and polished? Like, you know, we don't really want to know if our outfit looks bad that day, right? <laughs> they don't actually tell me that truth. Or, you know, we say we want the truth, but then we get that text message or that person comes up to us and says, hey, I need to talk to you about a couple things. That is never good, right? It's never like, hey, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. <laughs> we say we like the truth until we walk into work and they say it's, it's time for your annual performance review. <laughs> like, well, you're wrong and untrue, buddy. You know, like, it's time for your annual performance re review, boss. Some truth to tell you. Yeah. We say we like the truth and then in our marriages, we make a mistake, and you know we, we sure would expect our spouse to come apologize to us and say, hey, I'm sorry I messed up, I want to be honest with you. But at least for me, when I mess up, I'm like, maybe if I'm just really nice, I won't actually have to tell the truth and apologize. Maybe I'm just going to do the dishes. I'm showing it through my actions, right? Is something about actions speak louder than words? I don't know. We say we like the truth, but regularly, in our small interactions day to day, we find that maybe the truth is actually a little trickier than it first appears. We like the truth until someone posts something online that we disagree with. We like the, the truth until it hurts or upsets our worldview. And so we're kind of left with this question, and it's an interesting, I want, I want you to picture almost like a, a tension, a, a rope with tension in it that, that, that I'm trying to set up here. That as human beings, each and every one of us, as part of our design, part of the way that God built us and designed us, it seems that we're wired to want the truth. None of us like being misled. At the same time, on the other end of the tension, it seems like there's a natural pushback from truth. Truth that would push us to live lives that are more honoring to God or to others. Truth that would uh, stretch our worldview. Truth that could hurt us or the people around us. And so there seems to be a tension in the human spirit between a desire for truth and a pushing away from truth. I don't know, if you feel that at all and you know, maybe you don't feel that in yourself, but you can point it out in some other people. That's always a good one to do, right? We ask the question, why is that? We go, to, we go to God's word for that. There's a great passage at the beginning of the book of John. John is the fourth uh, kind of story or narrative of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, I'll read it to you. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. They're talking about Jesus here. 
The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in that opening chapter of the book of John, we get a picture into the attributes of who God is. What we believe is that Jesus is both fully man and fully God, and that if you want to know the nature of who God is, you look at Jesus. I've heard it put that Jesus is God with skin on. So if we want to know more about who God is, we look at the person of Jesus, and we get an inside scoop into the attributes of God in that Jesus is filled with grace, so that's love and kindness and gentleness. Jesus is also filled with truth. That's that honesty that cuts. That's that right and wrong way of living. Jesus is filled with both. Now again, we're asking why as humans do we have a hard time with this, right? Well, earlier on in the Bible, in fact, in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, when God is creating the world, God says that he makes humans in his image. Genesis 1:27, and the big theological term there is it's called the Imago Dei. And what that means, the Imago Dei, is that each and every one of us in this room are image bearers of God. That as the creator created us, we now bear some of his attributes. It's not that we are God, right? It's that we are created by God. And through God's creation, we're now image bearers. And so there is a way that God designed us to work. And part of our original design is that we would be beings who kept the earth in a right or true way. You see what I'm saying? that we would be gracious, that we'd be loving, that we would be like the creator in his mission to us to keep the earth. Part of our original wiring is that we would be the spreaders of grace and truth. Now, here's what happens, and you'll be familiar with this. Two chapters later, it only took humanity two chapters to mess everything up, Genesis chapter 3, we sin for the very first time. The serpent, the enemy, the tempter comes into the garden. I want you to catch this. How does the serpent cause Adam and Eve to sin? He lies. He lies. What is the opposite of truth? It's, it's lying. The first pinprick in the human plan is a lie from the enemy. He says, eat the fruit. You're going to be fine. You're going to be like God. You're not just going to be an image bearer. You're going to be like God. So Adam and Eve believed the lie. And the human narrative that we operate in in this current moment is that everything has been corrupted and distorted by sin. That God had an initial good design for you and I, where we are, are, are truth followers, where we're about living a righteous life, and that sin corrupts, perverts, and distorts everything. And so as a result of this, our relationship to truth is damaged because of sin. Our relationship to truth is damaged because of sin. We naturally are going to have an odd relationship with this thing because each and every one of us in this room are not perfect. 
I am so sorry to break it to you. <laughs> oh no, you know, here I, here I was thinking, I had it all together. None of us are perfect, and because all of us are sinners, our relationship to truth is damaged. Now, the result of what this looks like in our lives can be boiled down into three categories because of this damage. Because of this damage from sin, here's what the result is that might work its way out, and I'll try to be as practical as I can and show you how it works out in my life, but here's the result of how this truth, this damage and truth affects us on a day-to-day basis. First one that happens is our natural reaction as sinners is we hide. We hide. We keep the struggles that we have a secret. We keep it as a secret from our spouse, from our children, from people who care about. For me, I'm an expert actually at even keeping stuff from myself. <laughs> I asked my wife one day, I said, hey, is it possible I could be feeling something and not be aware of what I'm feeling? And she looked at me and she said, that's called suppressing your emotions. I said, oh, that's what that feels like. A result of our fleeing from truth because of sin is we hide. We keep things from others. We have stuff in our lives that we have no desire to even bring to the forefront of our mind. I mean, we see it in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve respond the same way. In Genesis 3.8, it says, right after they sin, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Hid. They hid. Now, seems like a bad idea to hide from the God of the universe behind like a, a ficus or something. <laughs> it's not even a real plant, I don't think, right? Maybe you can't see me. And God's like, we're not playing a cosmic hide-and-go-seek right now, you know? This is how we operate as humans, though. We try and hide things. Here's another thing that happens naturally. Because our relationship to truth is damaged, we lie. We refuse to say what's truly wrong. We often, if, if you're like me, again, I'm just trying to be honest and real with you all, we lie by omission. We lie by not actually saying what's true. Like, hey, is there, is there something wrong? No, no. When inside you're angry or you're fearful or you're scared. We mislead. We say just enough truth to make it sound correct when in fact it's a lie. Again, we say to everyone around us, I'm fine, this is how it is. We all have this, right? Like I, I was thinking to myself as I was preparing these last couple of weeks, I was like, when was the first time I lied? And I can remember. I can remember the first time I ever told a lie. I was four years old. I had blonde highlights. The Backstreet Boys were taking over the world, and I was on the playground running around. I was like this tall, blonde highlights, Pokemon t-shirt. Running around the playground, and these kids were like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 10 years old. <laughs> this tall. And they're like, you're 10? I'm like, yeah, I'm 10 years old. I just haven't hit my growth spurt yet, you know? It's like, wow, what a cute, what a cute kid I was. No, I'm a little sinner. Look at that little, little bundle of sin with his blonde hair and his bad music. No one taught me how to lie. My dad didn't say, all right, I want you to go out there today and be unethical. Go get him, son. 
It's a part of our nature because we're broken. We lie. Third result, we rationalize. We rationalize. Here's what this sounds like. My problem isn't as bad as their problem. Well, you know, like our, our marriage isn't perfect, but I got, you know, I had coffee and told this person I'd pray for them. They shared some honest stuff with me and their marriage is real bad. You know, like, or like, hey, my addiction, it's not, it, I still have it under control. My anxiety, like, I, I don't really need to talk. I'll just act it out. It's not a big deal. I have some anxiety. It's not a big deal. Adam and Eve, they rationalize too. Here's what it says in verse 12. I love this. God's asking them, why'd you do this? The man said, this is good. God, the woman that you put here with me, I can't make this up. So God of the universe, remember you took my rib, that was my rib, God. I'm just being rational with you. God's like, you know. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit. I just thought it was fruit. And I ate it. You almost feel like Adam's going to say, sue me, God, you know. (laughs) I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious here. I'm trying to show you we rationalize. God, it wasn't even my fault. The lady you gave me. Better to be alone, I guess, you know. We all have these things in our lives where we're confronted with truths about the right way to live and the right way to treat others and the right way to parent and the right way to lead and we rationalize, we hide, we lie. Which one do you struggle with? Which one do you struggle with? Now, (laughs) this would sure be a downer time together if we ended there. (laughs) Here's the good news. Again, in the book of John, there's a great statement that Jesus makes about himself. And remember, we learn about who God is through Jesus and his words. Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Remember our serpent? Remember our tempter? Remember the destruction he creates in Genesis 3? The thief only comes to kill and destroy. I, God, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus presents a way for us to live our lives truly and fully. It's through through Christ alone. And our goal during our brief time here on earth is that we would become more and more like Jesus. That we would not hide from the truth of what I'm talking about. And everything I just said in that first 15 minutes, I can guarantee you I I would never be elected to a political office. Right? Everything I just said is very unpopular. How dare you? But we believe, yeah, we're messed up. We're broken. We don't have it all together. We believe that there is this person named Jesus who came that we might have life and life to the fullest. That there is a, a, a freedom that can be found in Jesus. And I, I don't know about you. I want that freedom. So here's the question where we'll spend the rest of our time today. How do we allow our lives to be more shaped by truth? 
How do, how do we today practically, how do we allow our lives to be more shaped by truth? There's a moment in John chapter 8 where Jesus is teaching and he's sharing all these truths about who he is and it appears that part of the crowd disperses and he's left with a group of people and here's how it starts off in verse 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Right, so, so there's an appearance that other people have left and the people Jesus is convinced are still there. So to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now remember, here's the question we're asking. How do we allow our lives to be more shaped by truth? Jesus says, hold to my teaching. You're truly my disciples. Now, I want to make another unpopular observation for you. <laughs> Like, I was already mad about the NFL stuff, man. Here, we're going to keep getting unpopular. (laughs) Jesus makes a distinction. He says, to the Jews who believe, so there's the first category of people, those who believe. But then he makes another distinction. If you follow my teaching, then you're my disciples. Jesus makes a distinction between those who believe and those who are disciples. It's an old preaching cliche, but it says it in the Bible, the demons believe in Jesus. The serpent in the garden, he's trying to ruin everything because he believes that God is who he says he is. There's a difference between just verbal assent, I believe in God. You find that all over the place, right? I believe in God, I'm very spiritual. Jesus makes an unpopular distinction, and this is why people who say, well, Jesus, he was a fantastic teacher. I don't don't know. If you're not a Jesus follower, you might not like it very much. He says, if you follow my teaching, then you're my disciple. You're one who follows in the discipline. You know, an early phrase for Christianity, Christianity was the way. And so Jesus makes a distinction there are believers and there are disciples, and, and one of them is the one I'm after. And so that kind of presents us with a, with a hard path, and, and I want it, this is where we're trying to have grace and truth, right? If you're in this room and you're like, I think I believe and I'm on that journey, praise God. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here, and I don't want you to feel any pressure. But the ultimate goal is not that we just land at, at yes, I listen to the words, but I don't do them. The goal is that we would be like disciples. And so it could be something to wrestle with for you in your life. Which one are you? You just come to church and check the box and you sing the songs or whatever. Are you wanting to be a disciple? Here's the promise Jesus gives us as we lean into the life of being a disciple. In verse 32 he says, Then you will know the truth, And the truth will set you free. Right? So from belief to following the teaching to disciple, you see the road? Then you will know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. If you want to push back against the false narratives and the lies of our world and our current moment, and by the way, they're, they're never going to stop. They haven't stopped and they're never going to stop. If you want to push back 
on that, we'll go after a truth that sets us free. Now, I want to I point something out here. He says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice, he doesn't say, then you'll be perfect, <laughs> right? If you're like me at all, I'm a, I'm a performance kind of person, and when I read that, I'm like, all right, I got to nail it from here on out. So then you're going to know the truth. It's not that you're going to be perfect, that you're, you're not going to make mistakes. You're going to know the truth, and the truth is gradually going to begin to set you free. What does is, what is being set free even mean? Like, that sure sounds good on a bumper sticker. I mean, I don't know if I'm feeling really rebellious. I might even get a tattoo that says set free, right? What does it mean when Jesus says the truth will set you free? Well, being set free implies that there's something that's enslaving you. If we need to be set free, then there might be something that holds us captive. And if I could be so bold to say it, I think we all have things in our lives that hold us captive and keep us from the best truth that God has for us. Some of us are captive to the idea that money will make us free. If I could just have enough money, then I have enough comfort, and I wouldn't have to worry, and I wouldn't have to work, and then I will be set free. Some of us, if my family was just perfect, and my kids did all the right things, and everyone respected them, and my, my wife was this way, or my husband was this way, and gosh, if my family just had it all together, if we, if we just didn't make that one mistake, or if my kid wasn't going through that one thing, or if I, as a, as a father, had just done that one thing differently, then I'd be set free. Some of us, if, if my politician of choice was in charge, then I'd be set free. If I got a hold, I have a hold on a substance that I'm not doing too much of, but it makes me feel good. Some of us hold on to toxic relationships, romantic or otherwise, thinking that one day they'll, they'll fill us. Again, in the spirit of authenticity, here's, here's mine. I've talked about it before. I, if I am not careful, I'm enslaved by achievement. And that might sound like a neat one at first start, but the, the slave of achievement are pride, ego, envy, greed. <laughs> and if I'm not careful, I think that by doing enough and achieving enough and being known enough will set me free. And I haven't gotten there yet because it's not the right path. We all at some level believe these things and they steal the good God intended for us. Now hear me correctly. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having money or a great family or an interest in politics. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. Taken to their extreme though, they begin to do something that God did not design them to do. Now, what Jesus promises us is that those things are not going to set us free. The truth will set you free, and Jesus is filled with grace and truth. And the truth is this, that right now, in this moment, God is completely in control. God is not concerned about the policies being debated in the government. God did not wake up this morning anxious. God loves you and sees you. God is so good that he even sees our brokenness and he still sends Jesus. 
The truth that sets free is right now, you are loved and you matter and you care. God doesn't think your weights are too much and he also doesn't think they're silly. Like right now in this moment, the truth is this, that the God of the universe knows you personally. And not only that, he calls you a son and he calls you a daughter. Like that's a truth that sets free. The Bible says that, there, that God has this still small voice and like that's the truth we want to listen to more and more. It's not the truth of all these other things that I don't know about you, but as we talk about them, they sound so foolish and so trivial. How can I think just having enough achievement could even measure up to the fact that I'm called son by God? The truth is though, the enemy does not want this for you. Most days, your inner sinner doesn't want this for you either. God, as truth that sets free, wants this for us as Jesus followers. And I wonder how many of us are still living in a Genesis chapter three kind of way, I know I do, where we're running from God still. Where God is walking through the garden of our lives and I'm trying to duck behind a tree. Except for in 2021, my tree is being busy. It's scrolling on my phone. It's doing more. It's taking more on. It's numbing. It's running. I wonder how many of us are doing that in this moment. But the good God of the garden is just calling out. Where are you? I want to have a relationship with you. Like You made a mistake. I've still got a plan. So, two, two final thoughts to close here. Practically, we just asked this question. We want to have, how do we have more truth in our lives? Practically, how do we do this? I'm going to give you two quick things. They're things you've heard before, but maybe we hear them with a, a fresh or, or a humble spirit today. If you want to build a truth that sets free in your life, you'll do this. You'll spend consistent time in God's word. You'll spend consistent time in God's word. I'll just, I'm just going to read this verse to you quickly. It's the Bible commenting on itself. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. The Bible is useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant, the disciple, remember that, right, of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we want a consistent source of truth in our life, we'll go to a consistent source of truth. There's one thing to want to lose weight and to know about a diet. I've been thinking really hard about that diet. I can't figure out why it's not working. I just, every day I think about it. Huh. You know, like, no, we want to actually go to God's word. If we want to lead our families well, if we want to be a light in the workplace, if we want to have perspective on our days, if we want to honor our mother and father, if we want to be hard workers, if we want to contribute in culture, we will find all of that in God's word. We will find all of it by going to God's word. And I know some of us, we try and then we fail and like, I, I tried that. Keep trying. <laughs> Keep trying. 
My, my wife wakes up at five in the morning to read the Bible, and I only know about this from stories. I told her it's unbiblical to be up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and she just said something that's so good to me the other day. I just was like, what, is that, what does that time look like for you? And she says, I, I don't go in with a lot of expectations. I'm just expecting to be in God's word. I was like, I'm stealing that. You know, like, I'm going to say that that was me, dear. Is that okay with you? You know, no, I'm just kidding. She just goes into God's word. I think it's such a simple way. We're not going in expecting the uh, roof to crack open and a dove to come down and tell us our daily itinerary. We're just going into God's word. So you'll spend consistent time in God's word. And then here's the second one. If you want more truth in your life, you'll spend consistent time with God's people. You'll spend consistent time with God's people. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is a, the truth has an edge. God gives us community. God gives us the local church. God gives us this room of believers, and none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. But he gives us this for truth. Do you have other Jesus followers in your life who can point things out, who can ask you hard questions, who can push who can challenge. If not, like, it's time. It's time to take a further step of involvement here in this church community. I hear people say all the time, like, you don't need a church to be a Christian. All right. You don't need a house to be a human, I suppose. <laughs> right, like, but God has given us the church and he talks a lot about it in the Bible. So let's lean in even when it's not perfect. Let's see how the community of believers can shape us. And if you do not have Christian community, God wants that for you. In my own life, as a young man, I've had so many people inside the community of believers challenge me to be a better man, to call me out on addictions, to call me out when I'm prideful, when I'm lustful, when I don't serve my wife well, when I don't work to the best of my ability. And they're hard truths to hear. But in the community of believers, I believe I'm a better pastor, leader, husband because of hard truth that the community of believers has shared with me. And I want that for you. Now more than ever, we need Jesus followers that are centered on the truth of the gospel, a truth that sets free. And I want that for you. Sin corrupts. God redeems. Get in God's word. Be with God's people. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the truth of who Jesus is. I pray today that things that might have surfaced in our lives, God, help us to have the courage to share that with others. God, I pray that we would find breath and freshness in the truth that Jesus is good, filled with grace and truth, and that God, right now, you are in control. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Always a privilege to be here with you all. There's prayer down to my right, your left. Next week, final week on truth. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend.